Today on the podcast, I talk with Coach John McLernan. Wow, we just had such a fascinating conversation. He is a behavioral psychology-based nutritionist and emotional eating expert, and we talk all about brain-driven weight loss, about how our brain controls so much of our thoughts, our behaviors, our habits, and how we can compassionately rewire those things to move into you know, a better journey to where we want to be. I loved this conversation and quite funnily enough, even just, you know, thinking about the whole brain and treating ourselves with compassion. Actually, this is the third recording of this intro because I kept, you know, forgetting to hit actually the record button or the microphone was off and I'm sitting here beating myself up actually. I'm like, oh my gosh, Sarah, why do you keep doing this? It's so silly. And, you know, all that negative self-talk. And I literally just got off the podcast where we were like, you know, you got to treat yourself with compassion and you can't talk to yourself like that. And the brain controls so much. So yes, this conversation is needed in all areas of your life, whether it is from weight loss or even just beating yourself up about small things. Like why, why I didn't have to do that? So you're going to love this conversation because John is so smart about all this stuff. He knows so much about the brain. I literally was just amazed and just, wow, just very cool. He mentions at the end of the podcast, a freebie he wanted to make sure everybody knew about, about crushing your cravings. So we're going to link that over in the show notes. You can find all the show notes at our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash 53. All right, let's go meet John. It's time to adapt to a plant-based palate, minimize waste, and respect our environment. Hello, we are Joe and Sarah Hayes, and we are the hosts of the Bowl of Life podcast, where we are encouraging you to join the plant-forward food movement. It's time for vegetables to move from the side of your plate to the center, and we are here each week to help you do that. So if increasing your vegetable consumption and limiting your animal proteins sounds like a win-win to you, go grab a spoon or fork, and let's dive into learning more about how you can be plant-forward. Hello, and welcome back to the Bull of Life podcast. Well, today I'm so excited to talk with Coach John McLernan. John is a behavioral psychology-based nutritionist and emotional eating expert and founder of Freedom Nutrition Coaching. John is so passionate about helping others heal their relationship with food and, by extension, heal their self. John is not a fad of fan diets. Newsflash, I'm not either. <laughs> they don't work. And he focuses on brain-driven weight loss, which we will hear more about today. So very cool. So John, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's it's. I love having these conversations. So um, I'm eager to, to dive right into it. Yeah, yeah. We were talking off air, you know, and we were both, you know, you said you're a talker and I'm a talker. So this is a, a good match here to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yes. I would rather um, his starting podcast, right? So, and we can dive into that. You, you know, you told me you have some future plans for, you know, that as well. So, well, first off, yeah. I, I want to know a little of your backstory. I always like to kind of hear that 100,000 yeah. foot view of, you know, what makes you so passionate about helping others heal the relationship with, with food? 
Yeah, so I've, I've had quite a varied background. So um, all the way back from like nanotechnology researcher um, at university studying chemistry and marketing psychology, actually, to marine engineer in the Navy. Um, I've been a four-time entrepreneur with two failed businesses <laughs> and also a globetrotting English teacher. Um, wow. I'm, I'm married to, to an Australian wife. Um, and I'm from Canada, by the way. Oh, so, wow. Well, in Australia. Oh, my gosh. I love their accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say that I have to send her back every every once in a while for an accent refresher. <laughs> oh, awesome. I love it. Yeah. We've been together for about 17 years now. And so occasionally the Canadian sort of rubs off on her a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it was it was during our travels. So we spent three years traveling around the world, and it was actually during that time that I, I went from kind of being an athlete to ending up morbidly obese. And it was it was a result of a trauma that I suffered um, ten years ago while we were actually living in South Africa, and um, that really began my my weight loss journey in earnest. Because you know prior to that, uh, I would have thought that anyone who was overweight was just lazy or undisciplined. And looking back, I said it was actually quite an ignorant perspective, but it was the only thing I knew back then. I was an athlete. It wasn't that difficult to, to stay in shape and I enjoyed being active and so on. But, you know, after going through, through trauma and after like turning to food as a coping mechanism, because really, you know, I had no tools to deal with my trauma and I found myself kind of wading into this a murky world of, of weight loss and diet culture. And so after a lot of failed attempts at, at losing weight, and it was really a lot of time and energy wasted trying to find answers in all the wrong places, um, I finally um, hired a coach who, who shone a glaring like, light on the problem that was like staring back at me. And that was really my relationship to myself. You know, because of all of my, my failed attempts to lose weight, I'd become very angry and really um, spiteful towards myself and towards my body. And it was like I was, you know, I was repeatedly trying to punish it into submission. And so he worked with me in a way that I did not expect, especially from another male coach. But he worked with me to really heal my relationship with myself and by extension with food. And it was, I would say it was really this seismic like paradigm shift because this idea that I could actually treat myself with love and compassion as a male and actually lose weight. And so really it was, it was so monumental that, that I realized I also had to shift my approach to coaching and working with others because I saw so many people that were really trapped in the, in the struggles that I was in. Mm. So, so after you had worked with him, is that when you kind of were like, okay, I'm going to go into like health coaching and learn more about it. Did that kind of inspire that? Well, interestingly, prior to working with him, I was, I was involved in it. So I, I'd been involved in the supplement industry for a period of time. Okay. Um, and, and I'd actually had a, a bricks and mortar supplement store with another, another business partner at that time. And one of the things that we did was a form of nutrition coaching. And to, to be fair, part of it was of course, to, um, see how supplements would fit into sort of their health plan. And it was a way to have bring in some recurring revenue and so on. It wasn't really a bad idea from a business perspective, but really our, our style of coaching was very much rooted in sort of the bodybuilding physique style uh, of coaching, which is macros and cal calorie counting and getting people ready to look good in front of the mirror or on show or during photo shoots and things like that, not really connected to real life. And, you know, so that was what I first knew as, as like a nutrition coach. And so when I tried that approach on myself, like it really, it really didn't work. It just couldn't stick. And, mm -hmm. and coaches just, I'd hire a coach and it's like, they didn't get it. And I just, you know, they'd just be like, well, why aren't you following your macros or why aren't you you, you know what to do. Why aren't you doing this? And I wanted to scream, I don't know. I don't know. 
I know what to do. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well educated here. And so that was one of the reasons why I felt like so, so frustrated, even with myself, because, you know, I'm university educated as well as, you know, extra certifications in nutrition. I'm a level two precision nutrition master coach. And so I'm like, how can I be like this educated and still be like stuck and struggling, unable to figure myself out? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, even you're beating yourself up more, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, I wonder like, where, where does that behavior even, even come from? You know, um, I, I was on a, on a call last night with a client of mine and, uh, we just started talking about the night and I asked her, you know, she's got this very wonderful supportive husband, an amazing husband. And I said, you know, how would your relationship with your husband go if you were to speak to your husband the way that you speak to yourself? Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I, I wouldn't have a relationship. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, that just gets me right in the heart, you know? And it's like, why, why do we do that? You know, why do we do that to ourselves? You know? And so I share that just to, to highlight, like, you know, anybody out there that is considering like weight loss and I want to be fair and say, look, if you're happy at whatever size you are, this is totally fine. But many people like myself, I was not happy because my life was so painful and difficult when I was morbidly obese. Walking upstairs is hard. Tying my shoes is hard. Cutting my toenails. Uh, wh- sorry, be crude, but like wiping my bum. Things that we would just kind of take for granted were really hard to do. Everyday life was hard. And, and that's why I wanted to lose the weight because I'm like, I just... <laughs> You know, I want to be able to function in normal life again and not feel like everything's a struggle. Finding clothes that, that fit, you know, not not feeling like I'm, I'm going to drown in a puddle of sweat every time I step outside because it's so hot out. I mean, thankfully, I live in Canada where we have like pretty cold winters, but, you know. So, so I I just share that because there's, there's a real struggle, maybe even around this idea, should we want to lose weight? And I think for many people, it is a health, it needs to come from a healthy place and a healthy desire. And for me starting out, it really hadn't in the beginning. And so it really took this coach that I worked with to, to show me a different way to approach this. And it's really influenced how I work with people moving forward. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is that how you kind what kind of led you into kind of the, um, you describe it as brain-driven weight loss. Yeah, so this is this is a term that I've coined. Uh, I don't. I'm sure someone out there has probably used it in the past. I just haven't heard it before. But yeah, I I really, I've never heard it actually. Yeah, so I'd like to. I'd like to hear about ownership. mindset. You know, you hear mindset <laughs> yeah. all the time. I mean, can we can we hear enough about mindset? But but I really like that brain-driven. You know, it sounds very scientifically approached. Yeah. And, and really like I come up with that idea because I want to shine a light on the fact that, well, you know, yes, obviously what we eat and how we choose to be active or not, they are going to influence our weight and our health, but it's actually the brain that drives our decision-making and the brain drives our actions. And I, I feel like so many efforts to create change and create weight loss, take this um, outside in approach and, and they fail to acknowledge that it's actually our internal environment from like our emotions, our mindset, our psychology, our habits, that most powerfully influence our behavior and and ultimately our results. And all of those stem from the brain because, you know, many of our actions, they take place at the, the subconscious or unconscious level. And, and because like a variety of factors, not the least of which the brain loves to form habits from repeated behaviors, mm. our, our behaviors are driven by our habits, our emotions, and our beliefs really, uh, could I say acting in congruence with our sense of identity. And so if we want to create permanent weight loss, we have to create permanent change. And the only way we can create permanent change is by establishing a new pattern of behavior, habits, a sense of identity. And all of this takes place because the brain has this amazing property called neuroplasticity. And that's the brain's ability to rewire itself, which is just so fascinating. 
Yeah, that's so, so cool. So, but, so how do you go about that though, even? That's so hard, right? To rewire your brain. <laughs> well, uh, maybe I could give you an example. Uh, you, you know, anybody who has had a friend or a family member uh, suffer a stroke um, and, and that individual maybe has relearned how to walk or relearned how mm. to talk or things like that. And it may not look exactly the same as it did previously. I don't, I don't want to um, undermine the difficulty of, of somebody going through a stroke, but when a stroke happens, a part of a brain is, is dies off and is never coming back. So to relearn that skill, you actually have to create new connections in the brain. And for the brain to be able to do that is just, it's just phenomenal. It's unbelievable. And so that's really um, a, a high level example of neuroplasticity in action. Really, there's this term out there that says um, neurons that fire together, wire together. And what that's referring to really, every time we repeat a behavior, we strengthen a connection in our brain. And the, the more, the stronger that connection becomes, the more likely we are to continue that kind of behavior. And that's a double-edged sword because that can work for us or it can work against us. So when we develop a healthy habit that works in our favor, when we develop an unhealthy habit that works against our efforts. Mm, so, so is that what you, you work with clients then to create those more like healthy habits then um, kind of the rewiring the process? That's definitely a part of it. Um, cause I would like each client would say individually share with me like what their goals are. And from there we kind of aim to turn them into something a little bit tangible because if you were just to say like, I want to feel better, it's like, that's a good idea. I would like to feel better, but really what do we, what do we mean by that? And, and I really try to help the client clarify what it is they want, because if we don't, it's like saying, I want to go, on, I want to go on a road trip and it's like, cool, where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. I just want to go on a road trip. Well, it's really hard to sort of plan something out, but what we can say is this, the fundamental pillars of, of, of a healthy lifestyle, they're, you know, nutrition, activity, sleep, and stress management. Like those are really the, the heart of it. And that's, I don't see that ever changing. You know, when we get those factors dialed in, we can optimize metabolism, digestion, you know, nutrient density in relationship with food. And each one of those things, and, and I want to say like, nobody's like nailing all of these in perfect balance, but also nobody's equally failing at them. So if we can get an idea of where someone's at presently with regards to these factors, we can kind of establish a way of uh, kind of measuring and tracking progress and, and map out a little roadmap for them. Mm, yeah, so it's definitely deep diving into more, you know, their why, like, you know, um, yeah. I think you, you say always that, you know, it's kind of a doorway, not a destination type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I say weight loss is a doorway. It's not a destination. And because the truth is, well, well, weight loss is it's generally going to improve the, uh, the, the health and quality of life of almost anyone that undertakes it. It's never really about that number on the scale. It is about quality of life. Mm -hmm. the, the number is really just a placeholder for a future that we feel it will enable us to live in. So a future where we feel comfortable in our own skin, where we can wear almost anything and feel great, where we can you know, live life more fully, whether it's not feeling out of breath when we're hiking beautiful mountains or getting down on the floor to play with kids or grandkids. It's, it's like the freedom to do the activity you want instead of the one you wish. Mm. And so I would say that like weight loss gives us an opportunity to experience life more fully. But it's also important to understand that happiness will not lie in seeing a certain number on the scale. If you see that number and you achieve it, yes, you're going to feel a sense of accomplishment for a day or two. But really, happiness lies in being able to live independently on, on our terms. And I would say ultimately, it's also about leaving behind 
a, a former identity that's kind of almost like slowly suffocating you and replace it with one where, where you genuinely appreciate and love your life. And you don't ever really have to worry about going on these like crazy fad diets and, you, you know, buying, you know, overpriced supplements and things like that again. And so really about like being able to live on our terms. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but like so many people are so attracted to those fad diets. Why, why as human beings are we? <laughs> because, because we want to believe the promise, mm. right? We, we want to, it's, it's, it's why do people buy lottery tickets? Like they, they know in their heart that the chances that actually succeeding, like in other words, them actually winning is very minimal, but we want to believe that, right? So the way that our biology works, I say we have a famine biology in, in a feast world. And that's in our modern world is a feast world. Oh, yeah. but, through, but throughout human history, that never was the case. So we had a biology and we still do that's really wired to conserve energy because calories were not abundant the way they are now calories were scarce and they had real famines. And so we had to be able to survive periods of food scarcity. And so we're wired to only move when necessary. We're wired to only seek for food kind of when necessary. And because of that, it's not that we're lazy, it's that we're, we're efficient. And so now we are so efficient that we could sit on a couch and order from, you know, I don't know, Uber Eats or skip the dishes or wherever. And food, you don't have to like, just touch a button on a smartphone and stuff and your needs are met. You don't even have to move. That's how um, comfortable in one sense or easy that life has become. So when we're confronted with the reality that weight loss is actually difficult, um, it's, that's a hard one. Cause we're like, why do, why do I want to put the effort into that? Because I would say there's, um, there's like a, this tension within ourselves. So we as human beings, we have a nervous system that's hardwired to seek out comfort, to minimize discomfort, and to minimize energy expenditure, and also to to store fat for future famines. So this nervous system wants to avoid pain, suffering, and difficulty, and weight loss is difficult. <laughs> but the other side of the coin is there's something that makes us human. Uh, you might call it your soul. Um it's hardwired to to want to grow, to flourish, to develop, to learn. But that that's uncomfortable because it means moving away from the familiar in order to grow. And so we kind of find ourselves moving back and forth or, or, or could we say oscillating between this like dynamic tension. It feels really good to stay in our comfort zone in one sense, but there's this innate pull to do and, and be better. And maybe I could, I would say, I would argue that we are we're probably more emotionally and mentally um, stressed um, than than ever before in one sense because of the digital media environment that we live in. But, yeah. but yet on the yeah. physical side, life has never been less physically stressful. And so the more sort of emotionally stressed we feel, the harder it is to voluntarily leave our comfort zone. So if we can meet all of our basic human needs without ever having to remove our bum from a seat, like the primal part of our brain is going to push for that. And very often it will overwhelm the, the prefrontal cortex. That's the part of our brain that's, you know, long-term thinking and logical processing. And so that, that emotional part of our brain very often wins, especially when we feel um, emotionally distressed because of let's say everything, hey, a pandemic, for example. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah, just thinking about that. And it, yeah, like you said, it's just so easy to put yourself out of that comfort zone. And it's so true that our bodies do just naturally want to 
okay, you know, stay. We're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not in a fight or flight mode. Yay. Stay here. Stay here. Stay in the lane. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's natural to want to be comfortable. And, and, you know, I say to people like, I don't, I don't believe that you're lazy. When people say, I'm just lazy. I'm too lazy to do this. It's like, well, no, you just don't have a good reason because if you had a good reason. So when I work with people, there, there's kind of two things that we do. The first thing is we want to establish, um, I call it your emotionally compelling reason. So we recognize that our emotions are a more powerful driver of our behavior than logic. And I don't want to get too sidetracked, but you might wonder why do politicians focus on stirring people up emotionally and kind of almost disregard facts Mm -hmm. because emotions are what push people to action far more powerfully than logic and reasoning. Oh yeah. And so, um, it's, it's difficult to sort of overcome. So we're not really lazy, but it's like we will overcome that sort of emotional desire for comfort when there's something that sort of tugs at our soul. So for example, I have a, I have a son, I'm a new dad. I, he's five and a half months old. Oh, this, wow. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. He's this beautiful little boy. Uh, we feel very blessed. And, you know, his just when he laughs, he gets his little tummy laughs and I just melt. I'm like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's, he's, so close to crawling. He's trying so hard. You know, he just can't quite get his two legs going sort of back and forth yet, but he's like, I don't know, days away from crawling. Mm, And be on the watch, then it's all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, so I'm 39. I've had two motorcycle accidents. So I have some hip issues, for example, but I'm, I'm aware that like my little fella here, he's going to grow. He's going to want to move more. He's going to want to be more active and he's going to want me to be present in his life. And you know, I feel that so powerfully. I want to be a present, active dad in his life, and I'm not getting any younger. So I feel this pull. Uh, a part of me is like, you know, I just want to be lazy. I could get fat again um, by by just sitting there and doing nothing. The one the one thing nobody tells you about being having been morbidly obese is that like fat cells are the gift that keeps on giving. They're just there. They shrink, but they're there waiting to be refilled. <laughs> So they're, they're there for the rest of your life. So I actually kind of live with that biological reality that if I start eating in a very undisciplined fashion, I can regain weight very quickly. So, and, and I, I want to share this because I want people to understand, sometimes they'll see my, my story of say losing hundred pounds and think like, I must be on easy street. And I'm like, well, no, I still have urges and compulsions and things like that. I just navigate them differently now. Mm. Um, but it's like, I give an example. Let's say I was in Costco and, you know, you pass by some of these giant Costco sized bags of things and you go, oh my gosh, I just love to eat the entire thing. And then I look at my little son in 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 the cart or in his stroller or whatever. And I go, but I want to be his dad. And that one wins. And so that's my emotionally compelling reason why I want to keep struggling on because, you know, weight loss is, is challenging. You know, what's even more challenging is keeping it off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's always a constant. Well, like you said, it's that constant um, talking to yourself and what is my reason why? And, you know, keeping that at the forefront of your mind. I think I heard a doctor once actually talk about that. Like um, people had came to his weight loss clinic. This was a very top doctor, like in the plant-based world. And yeah, they said the same thing. Well, I want to lose weight. I lose weight. And he's like, and I just kept asking them, why, why, why? Because <laughs> yeah. if you don't have a why, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the one thing I want to uh, uh, highlight as well, so I, I try to establish one other thing, and that is a short-term goal for people as well. Mm. Now, 
we're the, motivated the reason, by by those those short term goals, you know. Right, right? cuz we might actually have this big overarching like life purpose in a sense that really, you know, when we think about it, it kind of lights us up. But there's also the possibility of, of well, that's 10 years down the road. And so I'll just I'll just sort of push it off because I have lots of time to get mm-hmm. there. And so we want to, I ask my clients, I'm like four weeks from now, what's the change you're most excited to see? What, what do you want to see in the short term? And, and really it's about them uncovering, well, I want to see at least this happening. So I know that this process is working. Mm. And so it's kind of, you want to have a short term objective that so you keep moving towards. And then the, this bigger purpose, this bigger why it lends meaning to the actions that we do. So to, to lose weight, for example, it's not that glamorous. It's a lot of simple things repeated. You know, I have another coaching colleague who says, be brilliant at the basics. Mm-hmm. It's not glamorous to, you know, um, make sure you're, you're getting lots of nutrient dense veggies, some lean proteins, um, you know, limiting your sugar intake, uh, daily activity, managing your stress and sleep. Like those fundamentals are never going to change. And so, but we would feel like we're just do, a robot doing these meaningless actions over and over again, unless we have a bigger purpose to it. And then it's like that purpose gives meaning to these basic, simple, unglamorous actions. Mm, I like that way of thinking about that. That's yeah. You know, you get these small wins, but it's all on the way to the big purposeful gold medal of wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, I like to think of like the, the road to success the way that our our sort of primal brain would like it to be is like this this paved like super highway you know the 16 lane super highway where you can or like the autobahn in germany where you can just get on and go just put the you know the hammer down mm, but, i like that thought <laughs> yeah right that's through life fast <laughs> right that's very attractive to us but i said the the reality is the road to success is a lot more like this sort of ancient roman empire cobblestone highway yeah. where it's laid like one brick at a time or one stone at a time and it's kind of a little bit bumpy along the way and so it's not one grandiose action that builds our future but it's a series of tiny actions with a cumulative effect and so if we can create a pattern of habits and behaviors so um, maybe i'll take could take one step back and say well if because we already have everyone every one of us has probably hundreds of habits that we don't even think about because that's the whole point of a habit is that it's a behavior we've repeated enough times that it goes from our conscious brain to kind of our midbrain or unconscious brain. So we can, you know, for example, if there's uh, if you've driven to and from a place, maybe to and from work many times over, you might drive there one day and be like, how did I get here? I don't even remember driving here. <laughs> and here I am safely here. Your midbrain just took over. You did that on autopilot. <laughs> Like that's the power of forming like habits and patterns of behaviors, but we can, we also have the, uh, these unhealthy unconscious patterns of behavior as well. You know, I don't remember how I got to the pantry with my face halfway through a bag of chips. Yeah. You did that on autopilot. So one step in change is we have to start to bring some of these unhealthy habits into our conscious awareness because it's in the space of compassionate awareness that we can create change. So I say like awareness is the first step to change, but really it has to be compassionate awareness because if we become aware of our unhealthy habits without compassion, that can be a negative downward spiral. We might beat ourselves up for all the terrible things we think we're doing. So I, I really, 
I focus on compassionate awareness. So we bring those behaviors into there. That's where we can start to make some corrections. And then in turn, we can develop these new healthy habits and start to practice them enough times that they start to move back into our unconscious mind again. And in that way, we're actually crafting or engineering a healthy lifestyle that doesn't feel like it takes so much effort to do because we've, we've established these habits and behaviors. Mm, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot because you're right, you know, habits, right? They, it's so like, actually, I was just talking about this. Um, so when we recorded this, it's very hot and where I live in Michigan and kids have been here jumping off the boat and the lake and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, like, I didn't open my mouth. Why did I get water in my mouth after <laughs> I jumped up? I'm like, it's the same thing, right? I go, well, I said, well, you didn't realize, you thought you really wanted to close your mouth, but you opened it. Yeah. It, like, just, it just happened. Aspect, your brain was like, no, do this. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a natural, it's funny. I used to be in the Navy and um, we do like uh, overboard training and things like that. And if you have to say, for example, abandon ship, which something went horribly wrong in the Navy, if you're abandoning ship. Um, but you, you, we know that the moment like you're, something your body touches cold water there's an impulse to open your mouth and take in a huge breath of air and that's often what causes people to drown is this subconscious or unconscious reflex to open your mouth and take in air because that's still happening as you might sink underwater a little bit and so if you're aware of that before you jump you take a breath and you hold your breath when you jump yeah wow yeah which yeah i guess yeah that's uh thinking about how I swim or dive into the water. I yeah. guess I have been trained like that, but it is a training and uh, yeah, yeah so sure. we, just we'd... like anything else in life, right? Like right. rewiring and then coaching that with compassion too. Like you said, um, that road is, is bumpy no matter, you know, if you're on the weight loss journey or if you're on some type of other journey that you're doing, it's, it's not, it's life, right? It's not easy. So how do you keep the compassion going <laughs> yeah. my question because that road is bumpy right there's going to be rocks there's going to be pebbles that get in your shoes and there's going to be something that comes up and yeah. how do you keep that compassionate awareness going well it's what's really important like is is that to understand that compassion is not a get out of jail free card yeah. And I think that's where we sort of misunderstand it. So, you know, it's like if you come home and, and you're slugging a bottle of wine and saying, I've had a hard day, you know, if I was to encourage you to keep drinking that wine, I'm kind of actually pushing you towards being an alcoholic, yeah. even though in the moment that, so that's called enabling. So compassion is not a good jail free card, but it's actually about recognizing our humanity in the struggle that we're not alone in this and that it, it is human to struggle. It is human to make mistakes. And I like to say to people, look, where you're presently at, you got there because you were doing the best you can with the present tools you have. Mm -hmm. So I like to say all behavior makes sense. You know, logically, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But if we understand how the brain works, all behavior makes sense. So somebody who struggles with emotional eating, logically, you would know that, hey, I shouldn't do this. In fact, you might even say things like, I know I shouldn't do this, but, or I can't seem to stop doing this. That's the emotional brain overpowering the logical brain. And so if, if we're just aware that this is, this is part of being human is to have these struggles, we then are less likely to, let's say, beat ourselves up and, and fall into a pattern of negative self-talk where we can just understand, like, this is why this behavior occurred. And so, you know, I'd say there's probably a number of reasons why, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, because I used to be really, you know, really uh, abusive towards myself 
actually, when I look back, I go, wow, like I was really cruel to myself in the privacy of my own thoughts. And it was about this really distorted version of, of self, my frustration with my struggles and so on. And we'd say, well, why, why do we, because many people are able to show compassion to another person, yeah. but it, we really struggle to direct that compassion towards ourselves. And yeah, we're so uh, hard on ourselves. <laughs> so, and, and it goes back to remember, I, I mentioned like asking my client, if you, if you were to treat your husband, the way you treated yourself, would you have a relationship still? And the answer is no, we can be abusive towards ourselves and we simply have to take it. Like we can't run away from ourselves. And so we actually end up using ourselves as a punching bag or even kind of almost like an outlet for all of our difficult emotions rather than, than necessarily dumping them on other people. Um, as a male, more commonly, but not always, but we, we may also view like self-compassion as weakness. And so we're afraid to show weakness. Mm. Also like awareness, meaning that we're going to become aware of things that make us imperfect. We're going to be aware of problems we have, of struggles we have. And so that could become connected to feelings of worthlessness or lack of self-worth. And so, because normally what we're doing in the case of somebody that's struggling with emotional eating, or, you know, in my case, it was really, it was actually binge eating, is trying to bury these things in food, trying to make them disappear. Um, so to bring them into our awareness might also actually bring to our awareness some painful memories or feelings of shame for our behavior and guilt. And so the other thing is we might also be afraid that if we show ourselves compassion, that we'll no longer have a reason to change. And so it's like, well, no, I have to force myself to change. And that's connected to, again, I, I'm so dumb or I'm so worthless or I'm so weak that the only way I can make myself change is to really beat myself into submission. And then I just like to ask people, how is that working for you? Really? Yeah. How is it working for you? And oh, they always say it's not. And I go, let's try a different approach. You know, when I, when I learned how to treat myself with compassion, when I was allowed to make mistakes and then learn from them, I call it wrestling with my demons in the light, you know, see my mistakes for what they are. I was really able to, and that was in the presence of another coach. I, I, I have to say like, you know, his name is Scott Quick and I think he's actually from Michigan as well. Oh, <laughs> I think so. I might be wrong if he, if he was ever to hear this, he could correct me because it's, it's been four years since I've worked with him, <clears throat> but he, you know, he didn't like let me off the hook. Right? right. But, but he gave me the space to talk about these things. Hey, mm -hmm. what's going on here? Let's now let's try to understand why this happened, you know, and let's take away the story that it's because you're dumb or you're weak or you're worthless or these, let's move that story away and let's understand like, here's what's happening. Here's why you did it. Obviously it's not a helpful behavior, but if we understand really why it happened, we can now find alternate solutions because many of our destructive behaviors are in a simple sense, an attempt to solve a problem, such as remove an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that the space, you know, like you said, you know, working as a coach gave um, you the space to, to work about, to work through that, to talk about it in, in a space where you could talk about it. Right. Um, which is yeah. exactly kind of what you do in your program, right? Like what makes Lifestyle 180, you know, a little bit different or to stand out? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I do, I have a flagship program and it's called Lifestyle 180. It's a 180 day program. And it, it's actually an evolution of, of previous programs. It didn't start out as that. Um, originally I had a program, I called it 80 Days to Awesome. And it was a really good idea. But what I found out was, I was putting too much into sh too short a window of time 
because mm-hmm. I thought, because so many weight loss programs out there, they sell this like 12 week, 90 day sort of well, right, back to that quick fix. Right. <laughs> right. But I'd find that like getting into that two to three month mark, we were just really getting to the good stuff. We were really starting to get momentum. And it was like, well, now what right. now, now what? And so ultimately I realized that the type of work that I do, that we need a little bit more time to, to, to do this. And so I expanded into this 180 day program. So just to create a little bit of a contrast, um, most weight loss programs will involve like strict food rules, um, restrictive meal plans, expensive supplement regimes. It's kind of like the equivalent of forcing someone into a temporary straitjacket and trying to unnaturally force weight loss to happen. Right. Yeah. And I know I've talked about that with friends, like, well, what happens when you go off of that diet? Like, you know, like, are the floodgates open then? Like, you're, you're not, you're not empowered. Right. And very often, you know, it still, it surprises me. Um, I hear about like, cause we have some up here and I'm sure you have these programs down there too. Like you go to this weight loss clinic and they put you on this, you know, four or $500 a month supplement regime on top of like whatever, you know? Um, and then when you don't follow the rules, it's like judgment and shame and, and coercion. And it's like, this is terrible coaching. This is not how you help people create permanent change. We're not dealing with children here. We're dealing with adults and adults have a strong sense of autonomy and independence. And so my, my goal is to actually empower people. And so I would say like lifestyle 180 at its core is kind of three things. Uh, We marry like the science of metabolism, the psychology of behavior change and the compassion of human connection. Because we actually like, I want to empower each person I work with to be to have a hand in reverse engineering their own healthy lifestyle. So it's not me telling them what to do, but I treat it like it's two experts collaborating towards a common goal because the client is the expert of their own life experience. I'm only just getting to know them. They have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years of life experience. And so when we collaborate, like I bring my expertise in nutrition science and change psychology, but it's like when we treat this like I'm treating you like an equal partner in this process because there's going to come a time where we're not going to work together anymore when our work is going to be done. And I don't want people to leave my program and be like, okay, now what? I want them to leave empowered. I know what to do, but now not only do I know what to do, I've practiced putting into action. I've learned how to shape these practices and principles. I've created this lifestyle that actually works. So it's not me, Coach John, imposing my idea on them, but it's let's put this principle into practice and let's shape it how it works for you. And so it's a really, it's quite a unique coaching process because in one hand, there's a bit of structure, a framework to it, but there's a lot of individualization and a lot of human connection in there. Mm, I love that because I love that you acknowledge that, hey, everybody, wow, we all have these different experiences we're bringing to the table. We all have these different lifestyles, your household looks different than my household, you know, like empower somebody through that. Um, That's great because like you said, you know, after the 180 days are up, they're going to have to be on their own, you know, in their own house with maybe a family member or kids who are picky or something, you know, it's going to come up that those bumpy roads are going to come up and navigate that. and I, I think about like helping people develop a skill set, like developing skills. Um, and, and along the way, I also, you know, I give people little bits of information along the way, little mini lessons. Um, and I try to time it in the right way because it's like, 
if you just Google like how to lose weight, you're shown like a hundred million search results. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Good luck navigating you, that. You're just overwhelmed. But it's like this little piece of information at this relevant time means that, okay, I'm going to take this and put this into action because this makes sense right now at this stage in my journey. So now it's going to stick with me. And so it's like a little bit each day or every second or third day, a little lesson here that shows them, okay, this is why we're doing this. And that's part of empowering people, not pretending that I must retain all the secret knowledge that you're not allowed to have. Yeah. No, I want to share everything I know, or not everything, I guess, because that'd be a lot for most people. But <laughs> I want to. How much time we got? No. <laughs> yeah, but but as much as as they need, I want to I want to share like my my the combination of like life experience, um, experience working with people, as well as of course my formal studies. But I want to share as much as I can with the individuals so when they leave. They don't feel like there's this huge gap. And I say, like, I want to, like, obviously, this is my business. It's how I earn my living. But I say, I want to create um, referral business, not repeat business. So I want to do such a good job of working with somebody that they just, they can't help but want to tell other people about it. Um, that's ultimately the goal. And, uh, you know, I also say some people, I actually have a Lifestyle 180 Part 2. <laughs> um Because some people will get to the end of Lifestyle 180 and they go, you know, I want to do more. I don't think the work is done. I have some people who've worked with me for two, even three years. They continue to work with me because if we go back to weight loss as a, a doorway, not a destination, it's like, okay, well, now there's more that we want to do. All of a sudden, this new world has opened up to me. I don't want to just retreat back into my old behaviors now. So it's actually really quite an exciting and interesting process. Mm, I love that. Not retreat back into old behaviors. And uh, yeah, that's just really, that's really cool. And just really cool how you're just empowering. I love that word you used, how you're empowering people because mm -hmm. I think a weight loss journey, a lot of times people feel do feel disempowered. You know, they don't feel like, oh, I got to follow these rules and do this and that. And yeah. like, like, like grudgingly going through it and not excited at all. <laughs> Right. Because one, maybe there's a lack of meaning because there's this idea that like, I just have to temporarily suffer through this program yeah. until I can lose the weight and then I can go back to living my life. And it's like, that's a recipe for failure. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, if we work with our brain, this is why I take this brain driven approach, right? Because it's like a, the brain is the driver of our behavior. So when we work with our brain, rather than try to fight against it, that that's what creates the possibility of permanent transformation. Mm. You know, we look at like, so when I was morbidly obese, I adopted the identity of the jolly fat guy. And so I was the jolly fat guy who loved to eat. And inside I was crying and miserable. It's like the, cl the clown that like cries, yeah. you know, smile painted on their face. But, but I adopted that persona. Now, when that became my identity, the jolly fat guy who loves to eat, who has this huge gargantuan appetite, well, I would act that identity out in public. Yeah. And, and so I, I remember I wrote this dear old Jonathan letter to myself and I wrote, I wrote to, to Jonathan when he was 330 pounds and I wrote, here's the things I miss about leaving you behind and here's why I'm happy to move forward. And I, I, I cried when I wrote that letter. I was writing it to my former self, but it was me creating closure between this former identity that I used to hold, the jolly fat guy and, and the new me, this, this transformation that's occurred where now you know, I'm not perfect. I don't look like a fitness model <laughs> and, and that's not really my objective, but I'm, I'm a hundred pounds lighter. I'm far healthier than I used to be. And I'm moving forward. I'm never going back to that identity again. And so, 
you know, there's actually an element of even grief in here that we might not, that very few people would ever talk about, but there's, there's a sense of grief leaving behind that old identity. And that's sometimes why people self-sabotage and go backwards because there was parts of being 330 pounds that were good. Like it was kind of fun to be the jolly fat guy in public. Yeah. It was kind of, you know, in one sense, it was kind of fun to be able to eat whatever I want and almost recklessly and not even care. Mm. Um, and so there, there are these elements of being that person that, that wasn't entirely negative. And that's why sometimes it's difficult to entirely leave it behind. Because yes, we so badly want to leave behind all the difficult parts, the difficulty tying my shoes or cutting my toenails or wiping my bum or, you know, things like that. We want to leave those parts behind, but we don't necessarily want to leave some of these other parts behind that are connected to that identity. And that's what makes it, you know, really, really a difficult process. But when we have something empowering and beautiful to move towards something that, that lights our soul up even more like me wanting to do this work and I, I'm wanting to be like an active, fit, healthy dad for my son. You know, I want these things more than I want to be the guy that's powering through an entire large pizza by myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you help people do that as well through lifestyle 180 kind of. Yeah. That's where the. I do that old self. And I think too, just to kind of mention this, I think um, sometimes we also struggle with like, okay, um, you know, to use your example, before you had gained the weight, you were also somebody else before that, you know? So it's like, well, which, you know, like I'm going to shed this person, but do I really want to go back to that person before that too? You know, because I think a lot of the times, yeah. right, we think that, oh, well, I want to go to back to that one person that I was at that one time, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, maybe, maybe not if you really think about it. Yeah. Well, no, that's real. I'm glad you brought that up. That's really powerful because there was also, because I, I rapidly gained weight after going through trauma, like over a span of like six months. Um, was, was quite a rapid weight gain and that, that came from like binge eating and, and medicating my trauma with food in a sense. But a part of me was almost like dissociating or disconnecting from this binge eating guy because I, I still hadn't even let go of this idea that I was the athlete. Mm. And that in itself like brought about this, this internal tension and struggle I used to be an athlete. This, this is what I was. You know, I used to have like a 38 inch vertical leap. I used to be able to dunk basketball two handed at six foot one, you know, um, remembering these things I used to be able to do and really, uh, again, mourning and grieving these lost abilities that, that I used to have. And so it was like a part of me really struggled to let go of that part of my identity, but, but I almost ha- like I had to, to really move into the, the jolly fat guy identity, you know? And then there's an element of now, like I'm moving into a different identity again. But really, we as human beings, we do this. We, yeah. it's it, The process is going to happen regardless. But really, like, for example, in Lifestyle 180, what we're doing is we're now taking the helm of this process. We're not just letting life, like, force this process onto it. We're now taking our destiny kind of into our own hands. And that sounds like kind of lofty language. But, you know, I say, really, I, I want to help people create life-changing results. I, I want that. And why not? Why would we not shoot for that? You know? And it's like, if you can lose the weight and keep it off for good, well, man, that's going to change the rest of your life in the best possible way. Mm, yeah. Wow. Wow. This has been such a great conversation. Man, I hate to wrap it up. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many good nuggets here. I've been like writing notes like crazy. Like there's so oh, much that's... good stuff here. But where, so yeah, speaking of that and not wanting to end the conversation, where would people want to connect with you to carry on the conversation further? 
Absolutely. Well, you can always check out my website, um, freedomnutritioncoach.com. Um, I have a relatively new podcast and it's called Wellness Unplugged. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. And it's really about having raw, like unfiltered human conversations about the the true reality of trying to create transformation. Because I feel like social media puts a lot of shiny filters on things and, and distorts our perception of reality. And so unplugged, you know, it comes from this idea of, you know, um, let's say a music artist, they're now just playing an acoustic guitar and just just singing and you're hearing them unfiltered and undistorted. And so I really want to create those powerful and meaningful conversations. And maybe the third thing is I'd like to, I have a little ebook out there and it's called Crush Your Cravings. And it's really the first step in helping people get a handle on sort of the emotional eating and and the nighttime eating and stuff like that they're struggling with. And so if anybody would like a copy of that, um, we'll put this in the show notes too, I imagine, but you can go to this link. It's nofndiets.rocks. So nofndiets.rocks. It's a bit of a cheeky, it's a play on the initials of freedom nutrition or FN. And so nofndiets became a bit of a cheeky rejection of sort of diet mentality. So (laughs) So it's nofndiets.rocks forward slash crush dash your dash cravings. And if you enter your email address in your name, and I'll send a copy of it over to you and it'll explain, you know, things like the four-step method to, to, to get rid of your cravings fast. And that's a nice little acronym that we don't have time to go into, but it'll, you'll find it in the book, you know, how sleep, you can actually, in a sense, sleep your way to a lower weight, which sounds crazy, but it's, it's, it's possible to use sleep in, in a part of your fat loss journey. And, um, you know, I'll tell you some of the inspiring stories, like, uh, my, my dear, like one of my favorite clients, her name is Rhonda, how she lost at 60 years old, lost 50 pounds and went from, you know, barely being able to, to walk across the room to being able to walk five miles and really getting her life back, you know? And so I'd love to share that with you. And, uh, one more, <laughs> my YouTube channel, which is a whole bunch of characters. So I use my vanity link again, no FN diets dot rocks forward slash YouTube. Okay. So, um, FN diets dot rocks is where people need to head then. And we'll definitely link all of this in the show notes. For as sure. well. So if you're driving, don't, don't bother writing. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, and it's, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to connect over on Wellness Unplugged because I know that you have stories that are worth sharing as well. And um, sometimes it's nice to be on the other, uh, other side of the mic where you get to share more too. And so it'd be my pleasure to to bring you on sometime as well. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Yes, I would love to any any time. And just thank you for coming on and, and sharing this today all about the brain and how it drives so many things and how it is related to weight loss as well. And just thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. This has been such an amazing conversation. And thank you so much for, for having me and having this platform to, to share this with people. I really, I really appreciate that. I loved that conversation with John. And I know I say that after every podcast, but it's so cool to be able to connect with so many amazing people now across you know the whole world we've had people on from now Canada and from Europe and of course from the United States all over so just very cool how the podcast has um, you know enabled me to do that and then to be able to share it with all of you I loved the conversation because I love talking about your why and if you didn't know, I come from a marketing background and was a huge fan, am a huge fan of Simon Sinek, who was huge about that. What is your why? So often when I would talk with businesses, our team would talk about, you know, what is your why? What is your business why? Why do you exist? You know, 
you got to humanize that story. And the same goes for us as we're looking at different things in our life. What is our why? What is our why? You know, is it want to be there for our kids? Is it, you know, we want to be there for our dog? We want to, you know, what is that big overarching why? And then it's having the small goals that help you get to your why. Life is a bumpy road. We got to treat ourselves with compassion as we go towards that why as well. John just had so many amazing things to say about all of that. And if you want to connect with him more, we're going to link all of that in our show notes. As a reminder, you can find all our show notes over on our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash 53. Again, that's badtothebull.com forward slash 53. All right, guys, thanks for listening.